0: And I want us to uh, continue our thoughts in 1 Thessalonians. And I want what I want to do is I want to do a two-part uh, lesson in chapter 4. But I want us to look at verses 1 through 12 this morning. And, and I want to read them uh, to us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 1 through 12. And then we'll begin our lesson. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus... That you should abound more and more, just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you that you may walk properly towards those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. Paul two times in these verses that we just read tells the Thessalonian brethren, and we've talked about this before and I've said it before, that that they should abound and increase more and more. Have you ever thought about what that means when he says that? more and more you know although it may be uh, worded a little bit different uh, maybe not exactly that way this attitude is preached all over the Bible but I want you to consider just a couple verses Uh, Psalm 115 115 14 says this and I want to read actually a couple verses before it it says the Lord has been mindful of us he will bless us he will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The scripture says, may the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children Psalm 71:14 also says but I will hope continually I will praise you yet more and more Paul also says this to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 1 verse 9 he says and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment more and more yeah Simplified, it means to do or get more than you have at this moment. Yeah, simplified, that is exactly what it means. But that's where Satan wants you to stop. He wants you to stop right there. But brethren, we ain't going to stop right there. Because Satan don't tell me what to do. Satan don't control my thoughts. Satan don't control the things that I'm a part of. God does. Amen? Amen? God is the one who is in control of my life, and how about you? But see, there's so much more to it than that. In chapter 4, Paul speaking by inspiration is giving orders to these brethren like a ball coach. I mean, think about what he says right there in verses 1 and 2. Let me get to it. Here we go. It says, finally, then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us how you ought to walk and please God. Verse 2 For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. He's trying to relay a message. He's trying to show these brothers and sisters what they need to understand because it's very important. Brethren, when we look at God's word, wouldn't you say that this is true, that the things that are in it are very important? The things that we read, the things that we're told to do are very important. Wouldn't you say amen to that? Verses one and two, even though they knew the commandments... He says uh, right there at the end of verse two, we, uh, for you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Even though they knew the commandments of the Lord, Paul urges and exhorts them. What does he do? He exhorts them to abound. Now, this is awesome. Just let me set this up. And I promise you, if you are engaged in this thought, it will be a blessing to your life. Because I'm going to tell you what, as I finish this, (laughs) you know what, I say this every week, don't I? But it really is true. As I prepare for this lesson, when I get done with it, I'm just like, wow, God's word. God's word is incredible. But Paul urges and exhorts these brethren to do something. He tells them to abound more and more in the way that they ought to walk and the way that they should please God. See, it wasn't if they... uh, it wasn't enough for them if they just knew the truth to be successful. See, it was, they knew what the truth was. They knew what Paul was telling them. But see, it was much more needed to understand this thought. They needed to be abounding. The Greek word for abounding means to overflow. Now think about your Christian walk. Are you overflowing? Are you filled so much that you can't keep the top on? Paul says that they needed to be overflowing in the way that they walked. They needed to be overflowing in the way that they pleased God. And then he adds this part to it, more and more. See, the Greek word for more and more means a greater quantity. This is awesome. It means a larger measure. It means a higher degree So Paul tells them that they need to abound. They need to overflow. But then he says to a higher level. Where are we at in our Christianity, brethren? Are we right here? Is this where God wants us to stay? Does he want us to stay right here? Or does he want us to abound? Does he want us to go to a higher level? Level. Paul is telling these brethren that they need to take it to the next level. See, this Greek word is used in Matthew chapter 6, and we understand this verse. It says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then Jesus says, Are you not of more value than they? Are you not of greater value than they? Are you not of larger value than they? Absolutely. So this morning I want us to consider how we can abound, how we can increase more and more in these specific areas of our lives that we're gonna discuss this morning and why it is beneficial for our lives. Watch this, brethren. The first thing to consider is this. God didn't call us to be unclean. Would you say amen to that? God did not call us to be unclean. Now, look at what verse three through eight says, and I wanna read it again. It says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you and testified for the for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who also, uh, who has also given us His Holy Spirit. The will of God, huh? What is the will of God? The Bible says right here: it's our sanctification. Brethren, what is sanctification? We know it, don't we? It means to be set apart, right? So, what is His will? (laughs) Watch this one. It's for us to be more and more set apart. Is that us? When we think about our lives, when we think about the things that are going on in our lives, can people tell a difference? Can people tell that we are literally set apart in a different type of person? How does this happen? Well, in this in these verses right here, he says that we should abstain or we should hold back from or keep off sexual immorality. What is sexual immorality, brethren? It's adultery, it's fornication. It's homosexuality. The world doesn't want us to talk about that, do they? The world doesn't want us to talk about those types of things. You think about what he says in verse 4. He says that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. A Christian should know, and tell me if this is true by giving me an amen, a Christian should know how to take care of their body when it comes to sanctification and honor. Why am I living this way? Why am I doing these things that I need to do? Because I'm trying to bring honor to the king, right? Look at verse 5, he says not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. We shouldn't live like the world when it comes to the passion of lust, should we? Should we let the world be the dictator of how we think about sexual things? (laughs) Absolutely not. See, God didn't call us to be unclean, did he, brethren? He called us to be clean, you remember in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, Flee sexual immorality. Get away from it. Because it is a problem. It is a danger. But when we decide to take part in these things, look at what verse 8 says. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but who does he reject? It's God. See, you don't reject man, but God who has given his spirit to us. When we decide to take part in sexual immorality, we don't reject man, we actually reject Jehovah, Yahweh. Wow. How serious should we take sexual immorality? Look at verse six. It says that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. Paul says we forewarned you. We testified about it. We want you to know this for certain. God ain't playing around when it comes to sexual immorality. When we think about our lives, where are we at with this? Are we struggling? Hey, here's some good news. If you are, it's time to repent. If you are, it's time to repent. But are we doing good? Oh, this one ain't my problem, Matt. Well, here's some good news for you. Then abound and increase more and more. Set yourself to a higher degree. Set yourself to a larger measure when it comes to sexual immorality. How about that? Isn't that awesome? Things that I watch, things that I say, the way that I think about people... Am I transforming my mind into thoughts of honor? Into thoughts that will keep me from being sexually immoral? Maybe that's not your deal. Well, what about this one brotherly love? Man, it just seems like almost every single lesson in the Thessalonian letter is about brotherly love. And you know what? It's coming again. Look at what verses 9 and 10 says. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Paul tells these brethren, and we've talked about this multiple times, really in all the lessons, that when it came to brotherly love, these guys got it. He says, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. I don't even really need to write to you guys because you guys got it. Everybody in Macedonia and the surrounding areas knows the love that you guys have for each other and for them. See, it wasn't just talk. It wasn't just knowing the truth. What was it, brethren? It was truth in action. Now, that's awesome. See, I know the truth. I know what it is. See, I wasn't just saying that I'm going to do it. Now, here was the deal. I'm going to do it because I know it's true. And what happens? People knew it. People appreciated it. Don't you appreciate when somebody loves on you? Don't you appreciate it when somebody is going to be there for you? Don't you appreciate it when you got a problem and you're down and you, and you feel like you're out and then you got somebody telling you, hey, you know what, brother, I got you. Hey, you know what, sister, I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to tell you what, that's an encouraging thing to me. When we think about our love for each other here at Fountainhead, is there a need for Paul to write us? <laughs> Paul need to write us. Do the brothers and sisters here, hey, just think about yourself for just a minute. Don't think about uh, everybody else that doesn't love like you love. No, think about yourself for just a second. Does everybody in the congregation know what type of love that you're giving out? What about the surrounding brethren? Do they know it as well? So he he didn't need to write to them about this, is what he says. And you know what, brethren? We've got people right here in attendance that have been Christians probably way longer than I've been alive. But you know what Paul tells them? He urges them, he admonishes them, he begs them, he instructs them. to increase more and more and more and more to a greater quantity than you have. Just imagine if you are the best lover in here, (laughs) the best brotherly love person. There they are right there, so-and-so. That's the best one. If you want brotherly love, that's the guy. He's going to help you out. He's going to be there for you no matter what. The best guy right there, Paul says, you know what? I urge you, man, to grow and increase more and more. It's a never-ending process. That will preach. I'm never done. And when I become done, I put myself in a dangerous spot, don't I? When I feel like I know enough, when I feel like I'm good enough, what in the world's happening to me? I remember when I played ball, I remember several coaches would come up to me and say, all right, Miller, come here, man, I need to talk to you for a minute. I'm like, what's up, coach? It's time to take it to the next level. You ready? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready, coach. All right, well, here's what I want you to do first of all. Once they get done with all those sprints, I want you to do 15 more for me. You got it? Sure, coach. And after that, I want you to shoot some extra free throws, will you? Sure, coach. And then I'm going to give you this key, and I want you to just lock the gym up because we're going to all be gone, right? right. What does it take to get to the next level? You never stop. You keep going. Why do I do this? Because it's just some fun thing to do? No, God's saying this. This is the will of God. This is my will for you. It's your sanctification. I want you to be set apart, and I want you to be set apart more and more and more. And when you continue to grow, what happens to you? You start becoming Like he wants you to be. You focus on him and you focus on others. Amen? God doesn't want us to stay where we are, God wants us to grow. The question is are we ready for that? The question is do we care about that? The question is do we want that? The question is, do we really want to see what God has in store for our lives? Brethren, I'm going to tell you something right now, and I'll openly admit it, and I do it just about every week. I cannot believe, I cannot believe where I'm at. I can't. How about you? How about you a year ago? Where were you in your faith? How were you three or four years ago in your faith? How were you six or seven years ago in your faith? What an encouraging thing to know that following God's word changes who you are. But are you ready for it? Do you want to give it a chance or do you continue to doubt it? Do you continue to push it away and say, eh, I don't know about that. I don't know if that's real stuff. Hey, I get it. Hey, I get it. How do we know that we're right? Watch me. Huh? When we're talking to people who are struggling to try to figure out the truth, when we're talking to people who are mad to accept the truth, when we're talking to people who are maybe curious to know the truth, what's the best example? You. We are. Do we believe in what we're doing? Or am I just checking my box and thinking when I stand in front of the Lord, He's going to say, well done, sitter and listener. He's going to say, man, I'm so pleased with you. I'm so pleased with what you did for my kingdom. Look at what verses 11 and 12 say. It says that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands, As we commanded you, that you may walk properly towards those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. The last thing I want us to consider is exactly what I just said. What is our daily example? Paul said that they should aspire. And the Greek word right there is an awesome word. It means to be fond of honor. Not in a bad way, in a good way. See, why am I doing these things? Because I'm going to work my way to heaven? That's not happening. You're not good enough. But why am I doing these things? Why am I working this way so I can stand in front of the Lord and he can say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord giving thanks to the Father through our Lord Jesus. Isn't that right? Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Paul says that they should aspire to be fond of honor. And how do you do that? Well, you lead a quiet life. I'm about to use some, and I'm so I'm, I'm excited to, to bust this out on y'all because I, I looked it up, and, and I think it's going to work out. But to lead a quiet life, would you say that this is somebody who wants to lead a quiet life, somebody who's constantly striving for attention so others can see their accomplishments? Hey, did you see what I did? Oh, yeah, well, I mean, that was all right, but check this out. And watch next week what's about to happen. Now, it's one thing to be excited about the truth. It's one thing to be excited to tell somebody about what's going on. But it's another thing to totally want all of the attention on you so you can get the shine. Amen? We understand that principle. Isn't this true to live a tranquil life? It's a pretty powerful word for me. Tranquil a peaceful, calm, pleasant life. Isn't that what we should be striving for? I love the comment, and I've used this before. I remember people would walk into my house over here uh, on Old Galatine Road, and they would say, man, this house is so peaceful. (laughs) I thought, man, it ain't always been like that. It ain't always been like that. Felt good. It's so peaceful in here. It's so calm in here. It's so pleasant to be in here. The next thing that he says, he says, to mind your own business or do your own business. See, it's not about keeping up with the Joneses, is it? Or what everybody else is doing? Or what about everybody else's got? See, it's about taking care of your family. And we talked about this in class. Whatever role you are, as a father, as a mother, as a grandparent, as a child, children, respect your parents. Children, love your parents. They're trying. They're trying. Love them and support them and give them a hug. Do your own business. Well, I wish my life was like this. I wish my life was like so-and-so. I wish it was better uh, like, like this family. It's what you got. How can you make the best of that situation? You can do it by serving the Lord. He also says this to work with your own hands. And I'm setting this up for a beautiful end. Just follow me and, and I'm about done. I was reading on this a little bit in the context and the Greeks, the Greek people, they despised work or common labor. And the reason why they despised it was because that was the employment for the slaves, For the ones that we, the cities that we took over, those types of people, they're the ones who need to do that work, not me. I need to be in the house. I want to be working on my hobbies. But think about what Paul pushes. Think about what uh, Christianity pushes in itself. Christians are looked at differently because I'm willing to say, what do I need to do to help you? What can I do to help you? Oh, this is my job? I remember when I first started at the printing company, I had the worst job ever hey, I need you to go to the back of the press and I need you to get this squeegee and I need you to squeegee this oil from under the press. There's a few leaks that we got. Man, I go back there and when I get done, my pants and my shoes and my shirt and I mean, I could just grease my hair back with all the oil that was on my body and it's like 100 degrees. Terrible job. And I used to complain about it and complain about it all the time. How did that look when it came to my boss? What did he think about me when I would walk up? Here he comes, he about to say something else. But you know what I figured out? If I just do it and I wouldn't say anything and I wouldn't complain and I just do it and have a happy attitude about it when my boss saw me, He'd say, you know what, man? We're moving you off of that oil. Appreciate all your work. Yes, thank you. you. How do the bosses see us? How do the fellow employees see us? How does our family see us when we're taking care of our stuff? And I want to skip one and go finish with the other. Verse 12 says that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. I want to talk about this lack nothing. The attitude of some of the Thessalonians and we talked about this in class as well and we'll see in 2 Thessalonians in the next letter was others needed to support them. Now I want you to listen to me. Paul is telling them that their aim should be independence. Amen? Should it not be our aim to be independent, to be able to take care of ourselves? Absolutely. Do we sometimes from time to time need help? Yeah. Sometimes it gets tight, doesn't it? Sometimes I I need some help. Sometimes I need some support. It is our duty as Christians to be helpers. Amen? But it is also a Christian's responsibility to help themselves. It works both ways. That's why it's so beautiful when we help people, right? Man, I need help. I hate to admit it. I mean, I'm trying so hard and I just, hey man, I got you. I got you. But here were the Thessalonians. They thought Jesus Christ is about to come back. So what do they do? Oh, I just quit my job, man. (laughs) Hey, can I just move in with you? I got seven kids. I'm just gonna bring them in with me, right? I know y'all got like a two bedroom. We'll make it work and can you feed us and stuff as well cuz Jesus could come back at any moment, right? There's a big difference in between needing help because you're trying and using help because you just don't want to do nothing. Am I right? It's a hard topic to talk about. Don't think for one minute I ain't trying to help somebody. Don't think for one minute these elders don't help people. Don't think for one minute that Christians don't go above and beyond and help people. Don't think that I'm up here saying that. But as Christians, we have a responsibility. If I need help, I'm coming to ask some of y'all to help me. I mean, I'm just going to do it. But if I'm taking care of my family, if I'm doing these things that I'm supposed to do, what is is Paul setting up? What is God trying to set up? That you can take care of those situations. Now, why is that important? Because of the last thing that I want to talk about. It says that you may walk properly toward those who are outside. Verse 12 tells us to He says to walk properly, to walk decently. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40 talks about, let everything be done decently and in order. You know what I'm talking about? That's exactly the same word. Christians should have a good reputation amongst the non-Christians. Why is that? Because a good reputation, someone taking care of their business someone living and, and setting their life apart for something that is special to their family is something that is really appealing to the world. Why is that? Because the world needs stability. See, God's setup is for us to be stable, brethren. So then when the world sees us, they say, they are a different kind of people. What's up? But here's what it also does. It also represents the God that we serve and it opens the door to give people the good news. It presents the opportunity. I want you to think about this as we close. Maybe. Maybe we'll close. I don't know what's going on at this time. Success isn't just about what you accomplish in your life. Should we take care of ourselves? Absolutely. It's about what you inspire others to do. Think about Jesus. Think about it. The name above all names. And what has he inspired this congregation, this group of brethren right here to do? Be like him. Yesterday, the kids and Derek, I appreciate you doing this, brother. And I appreciate the the adults that were here for this. I'm going to try not to get emotional. I had a group with, I was with Ben and I was with Elijah and I was with little Ben Jack. That was my group and, and Blue and Chris was with me. And what we did was we went around and we uh, just thought of ways that we could go into the community and give acts of kindness. I'm going to tell you just about My crew. Elijah, we were in Fred's and it kind of, I mean, we were like walking around and I'm sure people were thinking, what in the world are these guys doing? But we saw this older gentleman. We had a card and it said, this act of kindness was done by the Fountainhead uh, Church of Christ. And we gave times and, and things that when, uh, you know, when we meet and things like that, invited them to come. Elijah came up and gave him a little bit of money and he said, here you go. And, and the, the guy said, oh, I don't need that. He was like, you need to give it to somebody else that needs help. And I said, no, it's, that's not what we're doing. We're giving it to you because we want to. Here's a guy who didn't need no help. But you know what he said? Nobody's ever done that for me. <laughs> I've never had that happen to me. So we leave, and, and Blue and Chris take ben Jack and they go to the Coca Cola guys who are unloading the machine. And they give him the, them the $10, and, and they say, Oh, no, we can't take that. He said, Yeah, you can. Well, why are y'all doing that? Because we just want to be kind to you. Gave him the card. Then Ben came into cash savers and, and he saw a lady walk in with her daughter behind, behind her, and he, he gave, came over and he handed her the money, and he said, "Here you go. We just wanted to give you this." And she says, "Are you serious? Are you for real?" You know what she did after that? She gave him a hug) <laughs> She gave him a hug. And then I saw this picture from Derek and, and uh, Ronnie and, and Brenda's group. Same thing. They went into the store and they gave this lady this. Look at the reaction. The way we live is different, brethren. And our kids are learning it. And look at this picture. Isn't this awesome? Paul says that you may walk properly toward those who are outside. Do I sway from the truth? No. I promote it. Because what we're doing is true. What we're doing is real. What we're doing is according to God's plan. These kids made my day yesterday. What will we do to get our lives in order, in order that we can look outside? and change the world. People will die right now in just a few minutes and they will be outside of the body of Christ, brethren. That's not acceptable. It's time to preach the gospel in season and out of season. I love you all so much. Thank you, visitors, for being here. And I appreciate everything that you guys are doing for the kingdom. And I want to say this. I want to urge you and I want to exhort you just like Paul did to do it more and more and more. Maybe you're here today and you need prayers. Maybe you're here today and you are struggling in your life. We can pray with you. You can ask for forgiveness right where you're at. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Repent of those sins. Turn from them. But maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Please, don't wait. Don't wait. Don't miss the opportunity to be added to his family. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. If you want to be saved, come right now. Together we stand and sing. (laughs)